Hello. Welcome to Hole into the Full. It's me, Emma Rose, and, and I am Chrissy Reinveld, and we are so excited to be back. First of all, we know it's been a little while since we've seen everyone. Yeah, it has. Yeah, it Another took us show. a little bit longer than expected. expected. Yeah, we've just been really busy with school, and yeah. there's grace for that. Totally, totally. But um, yeah, so we are just so excited to be back. Our first two episodes, as you probably know already where our kind of intro series yep where you got to learn a little bit about us and our background and our life um the goals of our podcast basically all of our dreams hopes desires yeah. for the podcast yeah. yeah um so now we're actually going to be getting into like school the content like, the real stuff the stuff yeah and yeah so we've actually are rounding out the first month of our schooling right now. It's literally the last day of the first yes. month. Yes. And um, we're so excited to share with you guys just what we've been learning. Um, and God is so cool. We actually didn't consult each other on like what classes <laughs> we're taking. So we've um, been like a little too busy to even like yeah, have a chance. Yeah. Yeah. So so we got together this week and we're really like, okay, well, what are we going to talk about? And so we started talking about a class and we're like, oh my goodness. Well, it looks like God Perfect. wants to talk about human development. And so we're, we're really stoked to be going into that with all of you. Yeah. Um, and I guess, yeah, I, I mean, for me, I have to like be a part of this cohort where like this cohort has to take five classes all at once, all yep. together. Yep. And I can't choose like other classes to get out of. So it's been a pretty big, big week or big yeah. month for me, really. Yeah, for sure. And for me, I'm only taking two classes, which, you know, as a master's program is still a lot. But compared to Emma Rose's workload, I feel like she's like superwoman because I don't know how I would do it. I really have no idea. But I'm taking two classes and then there's ministry, I'm working and whatnot. So it's just been a really exciting month. And like she said, we couldn't figure out what we, not figure out, but we didn't have the time to consult each other on what we were learning, to plan for the podcast. But then we came together, weren't even together to plan it, talked about it. And then it just, we were like, cool, God, literally you are running this because there's no way this would have worked out if it was not him. <laughs> yeah. Like it just is so cool. He's so cool. Yeah. And so we are so excited to talk to you guys about human development yeah. um, and as it relates to some of these concepts. So Chrissy's going to go a little bit into what she's yes. learning um, as it relates to emerging adulthood. I'll talk about secure attachment and this whole idea of Imago Dei. Mm -hmm. So Imago Dei is actually Latin for the words um, in God's image, so bearing God's image. And we're so excited to talk about what that means for ourselves, for each other, in relationship with others. Um, and so I guess maybe we should start off with you, Chrissy. Like, would you mind telling me a little bit about, you know, what you're doing in yeah. adulthood, the yeah. class you're doing? Yeah. Yep. yep. So I'm, I am taking two classes. I'm doing Old Testament, Intro to Old Testament, which obviously is amazing. Um, but then I'm also doing Emerging Adulthood Spirituality, which has just been like a whole new world of understanding um, this this time and stage of basically young emerging adulthood is the stage between adolescence and adulthood, right? Mm -hmm. So it's this um, kind of awkward time where you are in between life, you're trying to figure out what's going on, you're trying to figure out who you are, what your goals are, what you want to be in the future. Um, and so there's a gentleman named Jeffrey Arnett, who we've been studying his book. And he has the one who's kind of coined this phrase of emerging adulthood um, that really just gives us um, words to describe it, <laughs> yeah. literally, yeah. so that you can talk about it, be able to identify this um, this time in, in young people's life and be able to help them through that. So it really just helps um, to, yeah. to understand it, really. So what, I mean, I'm just so curious because yeah. I'm like, I feel like we probably fit in that space <laughs> of emerging adulthood. Would you mind talking yeah. a little bit about like what emerging adulthood looks like? What is mm -hmm. it characterized by? Where does it come from? Like, yeah. Other than this guy who created this word. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so just FYI, everyone, I have notes in front of me because we're still in school and we are not, uh, we aren't the know-it-alls of this. Yeah. So I will be checking my notes, but yes. Um, so emerging adulthood is really this um, age where we kind of call it the 20 somethings, but mm. it's 18 to 30. You can subtract a little bit of years, add a little bit of years. It's, you know, you're not stuck in that box, but 
Um, so it's anywhere from 18 to 30. And like I said, it's when you're trying to figure out your goals, your values, you're not, you don't identify as a kid because you're, you know, you're doing world stuff. Yeah. You're going to school, you're yeah. living on your Probably own, driving, possibly. going mm -hmm. to movies, doing your own thing. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Um, but you're not quite an adult because you aren't maybe married or you don't have the big job and you, you, you don't feel like you've arrived. You, you look know? with your parents. <laughs> yeah, you could, or yeah. you don't have to, oh, you know, yeah. it's really this, yeah. th that's why they're saying it's this in between because you really could be anywhere, but it's, mm. it's that in between stage. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Um, so some of the, um, characteristics in this time is you're trying to figure out what your identity is. Who am I? Who do I want to be in the future? What are my morals? What's important to me? Um, and then from there, there's this aspect of um, instability where mm -hmm. you are, like I said, you um, you are trying to figure out who you are, but there's also so much change, right? So say mm -hmm. you're in college um, and you change your major 20 times, <laughs> right? I hope, I hope one doesn't do that, but sometimes that's what well, you have to do to Well, nowadays, so before wow. it was, when I went to school, which was almost a decade ago, so crazy. You're <laughs> feeling so old on insane. camera right now. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that was literally nine years ago, yeah. almost 10. Mm -hmm. And for when I went to school, it was four to five years to finish your undergrad, right? Yeah. Yep. And now they're saying it's anywhere from four to eight years. So if you take into account, people are changing their majors because nowadays it's you know, I want to figure out what's going to be fulfilling. So I'm going to start in one thing and it's going to change. Then things in life change. Parents get divorced and you move. Or, you know, there's just so many different changes that that really um, make you feel like there's that instability. Mm. Um, so after that, there's this time of um, self-focus where you, um, this can kind of have a an idea of like, oh, you're so self um, absorbed, you know, or whatever, but it's actually really important to have that time of self-focus so mm. that you can not have to worry about other things in life. You don't have to make decisions for other people. You are taking that time to grow into who you want to be. So you have to focus on your own decisions. You have to focus on your future. You focus on, um, you what know, you like what you right. don't like. Do you like tea or coffee? Right. Do you, or you, do you actually don't like those? Your parents just made you drink. Yes. Like those like, little things. Yeah. yeah. You go to the grocery store and I get to choose what cereal I want now. Yeah. It's not what the healthy one that my <laughs> parents wanted me to eat, yeah. you know? So it's, it's just a cool time of yeah. being able to focus on yourself. And obviously that can lead to, um, not great, uh, decisions, decisions yeah. and being too focused on yourself. Mm. But that's also part of that process, you know, like how much is too much and yeah. understanding the balance. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then there's these next two that are um, kind of we talked about them a little bit. There's this feeling of in between where it's like, OK, I I know that I'm in school and I know what's next, but maybe I am taking longer and I feel rushed or um, this feeling of there's so many possibilities out there that I have to make a decision on what I'm going to do. And mm. so I've got this pressure, but also it's so exciting because there's so much to do and I have so yeah. many options. So there's this tension of, okay, I'm in between and I've got so much, you know, there's some, exactly yeah. like I could do anything I want to do, yeah. but then there's also this like, okay, there's so many options. I got to choose the right one. I got to yeah, do good. The like stress of that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So there's, there's just that that tension. So these are really, um, as as Arnett uh, would describe, the characteristics of what it means to be an emerging adult. Mm -hmm. And um, you know, you can kind of you kind of have this ebb and flow between all of them, and even in and out of being an emerging adult, which I think we'll talk about a little bit later. But um, that's really what yeah what it is and what's described yeah. as an emerging adult. That's so interesting I feel like what's become like more common language lately too is like this whole idea of like figuring out how to adult like what does right. adulting look like and I <laughs> yes. feel like that's kind of that phase of like okay I once was a kid and everyone had responsibility over me and now I have responsibility over me and now like what's this adulting thing and mm -hmm. how do I even make dinner like yeah. Yeah. like I, so I think it's really neat that we even have language for this space mm -hmm. and this time yeah. Um, and I'm just so curious, like, where does this, like, were we always, I mean, you said that we moved from like four or five years in college to like now up mm -hmm. to eight years. And like, 
like it feels like a systemic thing. Like it's a societal change. So I'm just yeah. curious how this came about. Yeah. So there's um there's a lot that goes into it okay. as far as um why. And I'll get into that, but I wanted to also give you an idea of um, where we were. So like in 1960, if we use that as our like baseline, mm -hmm. which was 80 years ago. Wow. Um, so 80 years ago, no one really pursued um, higher education, mm. right? It was more of a exception. If you're right, wealthy if, enough, you exactly, can go. Okay. Exactly. And actually, I think it's only 40% of people finished high school mm. where you know, it's like, okay, I I, sh I can continue moving forward so I can get this degree and I can get some cool job or it will actually help me, you know, as a doctor, I need it, things mm -hmm, like that. Mm -hmm. um, and so now it's like, if, if you don't have a degree, you can't do things. Yeah. You literally cannot. Yeah. It's um, different. Another one is marriage. So back then, the median age for women was 20 years old to get married. And for men, it was 23. And they're saying now it's closer to 27 and 29, which yeah. in my opinion, I feel like is is even today in 2021 is still being pushed, you yeah. know, or you're like us and you yeah. were married and now you're divorced. So yeah. now you're really waiting longer. But yeah. it's now we are kind of put in that stage of, oh okay, i wasn't really an emerging adult because I was married and had a good job. Now I'm divorced and kind of reevaluating everything, yeah. you know. But yeah. um yeah, so some of the things that um really caused this, there's four revolutions that mm -hmm. really caused this and it really helps you to understand why things are the way they are now. Um and almost to have a like we were talking about earlier, there was there's a language behind understanding emerging adults and just having that language helps you um just understand it in a different way yeah. if that makes sense yeah but, so understanding these revolutions also helps you almost have a grace for yes. the emerging adulthood well i have grace for you and you're an emerging adulthood so and i'm you. sure you have grace for me and you have an, <laughs> yes, yes. And i'm an emerging adulthood i would say yeah, yeah. and it's needed it so yeah. the first one is the um technology revolution mm. and when we think technology we think of you know iphones and whatnot and it's actually not so much that it's we have moved from a manufacturing um technology or manufacturing world to actual um, service. knowledge and service um, orientation. Service yeah. oriented. Yeah. So yeah. before you could go to work, use your hands, clock in, clock out, go home, get a paycheck, and that's yeah. that. Yeah. Now you have to go to school so that you can get the knowledge that's needed and so you can figure out what service you want to provide for people, build that up, and then create that. So because of that, now where people, you know, you want to feel secure enough to have a family mm -hmm. and to um, to build that, mm -hmm. um, now you have to push that forward yeah. because you want to make sure you have enough money. Yeah. You want to make sure you have a good job so that you can then move into that. So Arnett yeah. says that um, nowadays it takes us longer to grow up. Yeah. And that's one of the reasons why we're still learn. It's like what we have to learn to even provide a service right. takes time. And yeah. it's like so much foundational theory and before yeah. applying it. Yeah. So yeah. as I mean, it's great that now we have the technology that can do the hands on jobs for us. Right. Yeah. We don't have to do, um, I guess like kind of the nitty gritty hard yeah, work, hard labor. Um, mm -hmm. but now it's just forced us to get the knowledge and, yeah. you know, okay. go that route. Okay. So that's the first one. The second one can be a little uh, controversial, controversial <laughs> if you want to say. Um, okay. It's the sexual revolution. Okay. So, and this was actually spurred by the technology revolution. So okay. the main hmm. thing is the invention of the birth control pill. Mm. And the reason why is because it actually meant that sex and procreation were no longer like they aren't they aren't necessarily tied anymore, right? So because wow. the birth control pill, you don't have to worry as much about having sex. And so now you can have sex, know that you're protected from having children. And it, you know, it can be um, it's in like marriage or yeah, without. Yeah. Your decision, how yes. you take that freedom. Yeah. And yeah. so it's really, um, it's separated 
the original intent for mm. sex, right? And it's um, in a way, and again, this can be a little controversial. So just, you know, there's grace for that, all yeah. of it. Yeah. Um, but it kind of took out the moral, um, the morality in sex, right? Mm. So now people can have decisions. They can, um, they're saying that a first sexual interaction is around 18, mm -hmm. but you're not getting married or having kids until 27, 28. So there's a decade of time wow. now where people would have already been secured, wow. where now it's just kind of testing the waters. So that's, that's the really, majority is like most people mm -hmm. have this decade of figuring out that whole world. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, you can decide for yourself, I guess, yeah. what you feel about that, you know, for-, yeah. for We'll go there another episode. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to We don't want to get into that right now. <laughs> yeah, no, but this is a very big topic for sure. Yes, yeah. yeah. So the, the, the point is, is that there's so much more time now in between, um, you know, having sex specifically for marriage and for having kids mm. rather than not. Yeah, yeah. got it. So um, the third is the women's movement where women are finding purpose and meaning um, in opportunities rather than just in marriage and procreating. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. So this is awesome because now women have this opportunity to be equal with men. We get to go to school. We get to get the cool yeah. big jobs. We get to make money. Yeah. Um, but again, now as women, we want to pursue school. We want to pursue a career. So that pushes that Further. adult decision yeah. of getting married and having kids yeah. pushes that later. So just yeah. another one of those reasons why that adulthood has been shifted. Um, and it's actually 50% of women are undergrads. So whereas oh. before not even 40% of people were finishing high school, yeah. now it's pretty equal that it's men and women. That's kind of great. I yeah. Feel like, I feel like it's good that um, there's equal footing in terms of knowledge and, and just yeah. like what comes into the home from like a double income standpoint. Um, but I know that that's also a lot of pressure for women because typically they have that second shift mm -hmm. of not only showing up for the job, doing it better than the man sometimes to even like get the right, get the same level of paycheck, but having to come home and do yep. another shift. Yep. So that's interesting. Yeah, it's mm -hmm. it's pretty cool. And we'll kind of talk about some of the positives and negatives um, a little bit later, but yeah. it's just, you know, it's just exciting that women have that opportunity and we yeah. get to grow. And then we also just understand that that's, that's one of the reasons why there's this big, um, time frame of emerging yeah. adult. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So the last one is the youth movement, which okay. is very interesting because um, I feel like nowadays everything is younger, bigger, faster, stronger. I want to stay young forever. You know, I want, I need all the Botox so that no one can see <laughs> that I'm aging and that I'm still beautiful. <laughs> so funny. You know, it's, um, I feel like nowadays we have this obsession of needing to stay young mm -hmm. and they, the, 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 um, term, the term thinks yeah. <laughs> is 30 is the new 20. I right? Yes. I've so heard that 30 is yeah. the new 20. I actually feel like when I look at 20 year olds, like I feel like in my brain, I'm still 20, even though I know I'm 30. Right. So I see these 20 year olds and I'm like, I think they're my age, but they're there's not. a lot of maturity that's <laughs> not there. So I have to yeah. like recognize that. Yep. Yep. So yeah. Um, one of the kind of downsides to this is there's been a shift of um, respect for elderly. It's like, oh, well, they're old. We don't we don't want to mm. listen to them or we don't trust them. You know, so there's kind of that um, weird shift where it's like actually with age comes knowledge. Yeah. You know, wisdom. exactly. Yeah. yeah. So mm. those are the four um, revolutions that have really led pushed. To this. Yeah. And so it helps us understand like, OK. We know all of this has made it a reality that, okay, it does take us a little bit longer to grow up now. It does take us longer to get a job, to have the family, to have the kids, yeah. to, you know, have the I've made it yeah. feeling, which yeah. is a whole other thing. I don't think we ever really feel like that. But <laughs> Never quite arrived, but always wanting to. Yes. <laughs> and so, you know, as I'm hearing you, I feel like, um, like, I can easily in my brain think this is not good. Like, mm -hmm. this is not good for society. Like, we're waiting to have kids. Like, we're waiting for all these things. Maybe, like, a lot of people I know my age are, like, trying to get homes. And, right. like, the idea of getting a house, especially in California, is just, like, 
not happening right now. Right. And so I'm I'm so curious, like if you think any of this is like, would you have a judgment to it? Like, is it good? Is mm -hmm. it bad? Like, how are you guys kind of handling that? Because I feel like, especially with that like morality yeah. thing that you brought up, like I feel like there's it's so easy to look at this and be like, this is all not good. And mm -hmm. what are we doing? And how do we like go back to what we're used to? Yeah. So I think there's a couple of things with that. First of all, it um, kind of stems from like the lens of which you look through, right? Mm -hmm. So sometimes our parents are like, well, they have the lens of how they did life, right? And so they're like, well, it's supposed to be this way. And so mm. when I was your age, I would have already been yeah. doing this or I would have already uh, had the job or, yeah. you know, whatever it is. So I think the lens is a huge thing. And then, you know, even in the Christian world where, um, you know, when you are trying to wait till marriage mm -hmm. and you're like, okay, well, now I'm 30, so it's harder to wait or, yeah. you know, there's, so there's all these different lenses, but mm. I think that if we really look at it, it's like, okay. Um, one, if, as we're, as we're aging, we are getting smarter, we're getting wiser. And so we yeah. can make better decisions. So yes. if, if I'm waiting till 30 to find a partner, I'm probably going to choose a better partner because mm. I know myself better. Yeah. I know what I want. I know my goals. I know, I know what to look for in other people, wow. right? Yeah. And same with having kids. Like you are probably going to be a better parent because you know yourself better and you can go yeah. through that whole thing again. I know myself better. I'm probably more patient. Um, mm. I've already accomplished a lot of the things I want to do and I won't have any resentment for having kids so young mm. type thing, you know? Yeah. Um, and then there's even the aspect spiritually with um, the church. And I know this varies from what tradition you are a part of, but for women being preachers, mm. um, you know, a long time ago and some still today don't believe that any woman can be on a pulpit to preach. Right. And I think that a lot of yeah. um, a lot of things have changed where people see that differently. And yeah. then there's biblical arguments back for and both forth. And both. For both. Right. <laughs> yeah. um, and I think that that's been part of it. Yeah. You know, but I yeah. think the biggest thing with all of this is just knowing there's there's. There has to be so much grace, whether you see it as positive, whether you see it as negative, mm -hmm. that um, there are pressures that come with life in general. And then as you're a young adult or a young um, emerging adult, you know, there are there's so much. And it's like we have to give I think about I think about myself and then I think about someone like my sister. Right. I just turned 31. I would still consider myself as an emerging adult. I even though I've feel like I backtracked a little bit. I know that I'm I'm still emerging, right? And then I think about my sister who is on the lower end of the 18 to 30. And I just understand all of these pressures that she's going through. Yeah. And by learning all of this, I'm like, wow, I can see this in a different way to where I understand why my sister doesn't know exactly what she wants to do. And then, I mean, you add social media into that. That's yeah. a whole other pressure, right? Wow. So I think it just really, there's always going to be positives and negatives, but it really just helps you to um, see it in a different way and just to have grace Yeah. for all of it. Yeah. And I feel like um, the way you just said that made me think about empathy and just like knowing that there is a lot of pressure for people coming into this yeah. age. And so instead of looking down, like also know like I'm actually still part of emerging adult. Yeah. And similar to you, I, I just see like, you know, ha going through divorce disruption. And like, and even after that, in the middle of emerging adulthood, trying to like, I like, let's figure out the identity piece again. Like, mm -hmm. who am I? Like, God, who am I without this person in my life I've had yeah. for so long? And like understanding who that is and, and, um, and changing careers. Like I know you were going into cosmetology and like, and, and now you're in ministry. So that's like so big. And I, I totally um, resonate with that because yeah. I was in consulting and now I'm doing this thing called yeah. ministry at Fuller Seminary, mm -hmm. learning how to bring that into psychology. Yeah. Like it's just different everything. Yeah. But it's also really cool because I think about myself after, after my divorce, and after Ryan died, I think about who I was and I feel like it has been such a um, period of relearning who I am. It's been this opportunity to grow 
and to get to know God more, to fall in love with God, right? Yeah. If I was still the person wow. I was in my marriage, you know, I it would be a whole you guys don't want to know that person. <laughs> I don't know that person. I really love you, who you are right now. Right. And I, you know, I have I like, you know, back then I could have easily just put all the blame on my ex and yeah. I pr- I probably did, right? Mm. And now I know I've grown so much that I know I had so many flaws. I had needed to grow so much. Yeah. You know, and so this period has just been a beautiful time to grow, to change into who I am, to and still changing, right? But it's just been such a um redemptive part that I'm like, cool, I'm an emerging adult and that's okay because I've there's been so much change and growth. And so I feel like if there are any emerging adults watching, just know that like that is a time where you do get to go through that and you get to have that grace. You get to have this time of, I don't have to have it all figured out and that's okay. And if I make the wrong decisions, it's okay. Yeah. We are two very, um, Good or bad examples? <laughs> like, Depends on are how we, you look at right, that. Are we good or are we bad examples? I don't know. Let's have that be another episode too. <laughs> but you can look at us and be like, okay, cool. They've been married, divorced. They've experienced a lot in life. They've had to deal with death. They've figured out their faith. They've figured mm. out their journeys. They've figured out relationships. And you just get to grow through all of that. Yeah. Wow. Um. So a couple things. The first off, like I just want to say thank you for bringing that all together because yeah. I, I, um, I totally think that we've like experiencing God in and through life, even mm-hmm. in those parts where it was a little harder. Yeah. And this is actually so perfect because it segues into what I feel like I've been learning. Yeah. Um. So I am taking so many classes as I mentioned before. <laughs> yes. Um. There's five of them. I don't need to list them. But um, there are two like main things that are really resonating with me right now. And the first one that I'm learning from my human development class is actually this idea of secure attachment. And um, I'll go into the different ways in which we attach and the different types of attachment in a minute. But um, I've been feeling like a lot of the things I haven't received either like from my husband before Mm -hmm. or like. Uh, from my parents, you know, like a lot of the things that I may not have had, I feel like God's been reparenting me in those ways as I've led him into those spaces. And I'm just so excited to share with you guys a bit about um, secure attachment. Yeah. Well, it's kind of like we were just talking about. You get to relearn through this emerging adult time. Yes. And even, and even after emerging adult, right? Like who knows when life That's is going right, to change you're, when you're in your 40s, your 50s or whatnot, like kids get out of the house and you see that like, you know, parents are like, what does life look like with kids not in the house? It's and like, so it's, true. It's always this like process of mm-hmm. like figuring it out. And when do you ever have it all figured out? But I think like once we embrace that it's all learning, it's yeah. easier to like take the lessons with grace, which yeah. is yeah. so cool. Well, do you want to jump into that a little bit and yes. share? Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> okay. So um, for those of you who, I, I guess I'll just kind of like bring it all up. So there's this thing called secure attachment. And basically there are two ways that people relate to one another. One of them is secure and we'll go into what that looks like. Um, and then there's the other way, which is more insecure. And there's like three different ways of insecurely attaching with people. And so what's really interesting is this is actually seen as early as infancy. So babies, wow. um, they actually found this out in a study that they called the strange situation where they took, they did this experiment where they took babies and their mamas. Um, it was Dr. Ainsworth and Bowlby um, way back when, where they took uh, moms, their children, their infants, and they had a stranger in a room. And they basically um, had mom come in with the stranger in there and then the child, child's fine. Mom leaves the room um, and baby reacts. Okay. Mom comes back, baby responds, and, um, and they either interact with the stranger or they don't. But the way that the baby reacts and responds when mama leaves actually shows up in how that person shows up for the rest of their life, which is really interesting. Yeah. So- Um, just to share a little bit more about this. So as it relates to secure attachment, so when the mom left the room, they would cry because they're like, where's mom? Right. <laughs> Why is she leaving me alone? Normal. There's a strange person here and where'd she go? And yeah. I'm upset. 
So baby would kind of respond normally, like, where's mom? And when mom would come back, baby would actually be really excited and happy and run up to mom and like hold her. And then like once the baby felt really secure, you'd go check out the mm-hmm. stranger, yeah. check out the toys. And they were like totally soothed and like totally fine yeah. just for their environment. Okay. Now, um, with the insecure attachments, there's a little difference. So um, with avoidant attachment, that's the second one. Um, and this is uh, really the first insecure type. So when mom left, this child actually acted like nothing was happening. Like totally wow. no response, didn't really show any distress and just kind that of That was when mom left. When mom left and okay. just focused on the toys. Oh, okay. Interesting, right? Um, and then when mom came back, sometimes they would ignore her and actually avoid her. Wow. And focus even more so on the toy, not really care for the, for the stranger, just like cared about their toys. And what's really interesting about this is they found that children, so they've actually done long-term studies to track these children from this study for years on end. And they found that um, because the child has learned that mom may not consistently give either um, soothing or may not consistently wow. like walk, like avoid them, it was always this, this sense of inconsistency. Um, they just felt like, okay, they're not going to meet my needs, so I'm not going to care if they leave. Because it was safer to not care wow. if they left than to feel like their parents aren't going to meet their needs. Yeah. It's like so they so just kind of learned how to cope. They learned how to cope by being like withdrawn, having this distance and focusing on like what's in front of me. What can I touch? What can I do? Like it was wow. more focused on the, on, you know, behaviors. Okay. So, so many implications <laughs> for adulthood. <laughs> and there's so many good books on attachment, by the way. We're going to have all of the books we talk about in um, the show notes. We'll talk about that in a minute. But um, yeah, so that's the first. Very interesting. Yeah. Um, so the second insecure attachment style mm-hmm. is actually called ambivalent. Okay. And ambivalent is kind of what it sounds like. It's like in, like insecure, almost like indifferent, like, eh, I don't really care if this person's here, or maybe I do. Um, and so for this child, when mom left, they were actually really anxious. Like they're like wow. like distressed, really upset. Like think of like, so, so with the secure attached child, they were distressed. This child was like banging on doors, angry, like where is mom? Dang. Just very, very anxious, okay. very distressed. When mom came back, and I'm looking at my notes too because I'm also learning all this, but when mom came back, um, the child would be relieved but wouldn't show that relief. So sometimes they would actually like run up to mom, hold her, but like not want her to leave again. So it's like they would still be crying, still be upset, um, sometimes trying to pull away while being upset. It was just um, this sense of confusion. And um, even after several minutes of, you know, at this point a secure attached person would be like, or child would be kind of soothed and be really, really willing to check out the environment. This child was like, no, I'm going to keep crying and focusing in on you and holding on to your clothes and making wow. sure you don't leave me again. Wow. So it's, so this child into adulthood shows up like to others or occurs to others as like really clingy or like they need me wow. to be here. And it's so interesting because um, similar to the other parents in terms of not being able to attune. So the word attuning is kind of like checking in and understanding the child's emotional landscape. So um, when it comes to these insecure attachment styles, the parents tend to not be able to tune to the child. And in this case, sometimes the parents are there, sometimes they're tuning to their mental world, and sometimes Mm. they're not. So like sometimes they're there, fully there, and sometimes they're not. And because it's so inconsistent, um, the child actually uh, wants attention and at the right. same time doesn't know if they want it. So it's just kind of this confusing yeah. way of being. So right. that's ambivalent attachment. Interesting. And then finally is dis- disorganized attachment. And this is really interesting. So similar to the ambivalent, when um, mom left, they had different ways of responding. But when they came back, it, you can tell that they didn't know how to respond. Okay. Like, And so um, they were like disorganized and chaotic. And I love the way that they said this. So um Uh, Dr. Siegel and uh, Tina Bryson, they actually looked at attachment and how to really change attachment over time. And they shared this example of a child who responded, um, who was disorganized. So if you think about mom coming back, um, the child approaches mom and then decides to withdraw, then falls on the floor, then throws a tantrum on the floor, freezes up, goes back to mom. Like there's not one way of responding. It's just very like, all over the place. Wow. Um, and so that being said, it's like obviously the child being really confused um, and just sort of like 
And usually parents tend to be severely unattuned. Like they're not able to be there for the child. And um, in the worst case, this child may grow up to be an adult who not only understands what's going on with them emotionally, but they may end up like kind of getting really depressed, being Mm -hmm. really sad or like completely passive or just be really intense and like want your attention one day and the next day act like you don't, you're not alive. So it's just like a very disorganized way of attaching to people. Yeah. And it's so interesting because they found that these ways of attaching showed up in people's relationships with spouses, with if they were going to like finish school, if they finished college, if they got a good job and all of the things. And so um, it could sound like gloom and doom when you think of like, oh, no, my parents didn't give me all the things I need. Right. Like, so, um, yeah, wow. it's just, it was just really interesting. I'm literally sitting here one thinking about myself and <laughs> things I used to do, right, yeah. and how I was brought up. And then also thinking about how there's a people in my life and how we act and how we respond. And I'm literally thinking about a time where I was in a, um, a shopping mall with my aunt and she wouldn't let me get a Tweety shirt that I really wanted. A Tweety? Tweety. Like the like yellow Tweety? The, the yellow people bird. who don't know what that is, it's a yellow bird. <laughs> Do people not know who Tweety is They anymore? might not. Who knows? You're right. It's okay. Look it up. Tweety. It's a while ago. T-W-E-E-T-Y. Yep. The and first I- tweet. <laughs> sure i think the twitter tweet is different (laughs) is blue okay anyways okay so i was sitting i literally threw a tantrum in the store and was like on the ground crying because she wouldn't give it to me and she left and i don't really remember how i responded but i'm sure that really yeah you know wow Thinking about Do I it need all. Therapy for this. Yeah. <laughs> That's what, stay for a practical pause later. <laughs> we'll be integrating this into our stories. Oh my goodness, that is so funny. But it really does help you. Um, on a serious note, now, yeah. um, it really does help you understand. Like we are the way we are because of how we were brought up. Yeah. And our parents are the way they are because of how they yes. were brought up. Yes, and it gives you like more compassion for your parents yeah. because you see that that's not. It's not like they choose to do mm-hmm. that because they know their choices, yeah. right? Um, so you think about someone, you're like, they always react this way. Or they're always this way. And it's like, well, there's probably a reason why. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So interesting. Yeah. And I like the way that you use the word always. So um, you don't have to stay a certain attachment style. Oh. And so that's been the coolest thing about this book, The Power of Showing Up link in the show notes. Um, So they actually talk about how creating a secure environment can actually help someone change from insecure to secure. And so they actually say you can do that with these things called the four S's. And so I'll share with you guys what the four S's are. And we'll talk about a practical pause later, but we'll actually go over some of these questions of how to integrate this in your story so you can understand the four S's for yourself and provide that for other people. And so the first S is Do safe. I need notes? Should um, I be taking notes? Just kidding. I can send you the notes. If you guys are on Patreon, you can I'm, get the notes. <laughs> I'm literally thinking like, okay, this is how we change it. So I, I need this You stuff. need it. You need you it. Know, yeah, yeah, well, yeah. in ministry, you yeah. know, you think about that. So how can I nurture people to totally. help them change? Yeah. And also, how do you become that secure base for yourself? Too? Right. Like you didn't have that. Right. Right. Yeah, so definitely take notes if you want to. Um, so the first thing them, is called <laughs> mental notes. <laughs> mental notes. <laughs> the first thing is safe. And so first and foremost, you want to create an environment where people feel safe, where yeah. your kids feel safe, your friends feel safe, right? Um, because first off, they're not going to go to you if they don't feel safe. Right. Um, and so they, uh, the authors, so uh, doctors Siegel and Bryson actually talk about not just safety as it relates to using like the right tone and like, you know, not scaring people with your yelling um, and your pitch, but also physical behaviors. And, um, and if there is substance abuse in the home, they recommend to like, you know, work on that because it can create an unpredictable, unpredictable environment for a child when they're like, oh, daddy comes home sometimes and smells funny and throws things and they, and that starts to build this unpredictable environment where they don't feel safe in it and they have to figure it out for themselves how to create a safe space. And so, um, the goal is actually not to scare people in your home, not to scare your friends and your family, but actually to create a place of sanctuary where people can go to you. They can have peace. They can recover. 
Um, the world is scary in and of itself. Yeah. So to have a home base and to be a secure base for someone actually helps them to build these inner coping resources. So that way they can um, really be in the world without being like hypervigilant and like scared yeah. for someone to do something to them. Yeah. Um, so that's the first S is being like safe. Okay. The second one is being is seen. So um, children and friends and family members, spouses want to be seen. How many women do we know that actually talk to their husbands about what happened that day? And then the husband <laughs> jumps into like solver mode. And then the woman's like, okay, but listen to me. <laughs> I just want you to listen. I just want you to listen. Hey, this doesn't just have to be husband, wife. This yeah. can just, friends. this can be friends, friends. too. Yeah, 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 for sure. And so, um, and so the thing is about being seen um, is a lot of times we can look at someone going through something and kind of respond to them from a place of, well, you should be doing this. Mm. And that should can actually create this like underlying sense of shame. Yeah. Like, why are you feeling this? And yeah. I know even Christians, like we, we tend to do this, like you're in a hard place. Well, just read scripture and get over it or like, yeah. or like. Oh, you're supposed to be blessed. You're you. God's died for you. You're you shouldn't be sad. You shouldn't feel, that <laughs> you shouldn't feel yeah. this way. Yeah. And um. And a lot of times, what people need is actually to be seen for not just the place of like what they should be doing, but be seen for the part that's hurting. Yeah. Because when you see the part that's hurting, it can actually heal. But if you like cover it up, it's kind of hard to actually heal that place, and it's just going to show up in other ways throughout the day in other relationships. Mm -hmm. And so um, the authors actually talk about this thing called mindsight, where it's like trying to get inside the person's brain, yeah. your child's brain, whatever it is, and trying to understand, well, why are they feeling that way? Mm -hmm. Or why are they doing the thing? Versus, you know, kind of saying, oh, you shouldn't do this. And when it comes to like asking why, it's not just like, why are you mad? It's like a, hey, you seem upset. Mm -hmm. Like this looks like it's What's upsetting you. What's going on? Let's yeah. talk about it. Kind of yeah. like, going to that space with them. And it takes time. Like you have to be intentional with that time to even let someone be seen. Right. 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 I feel like the, the two, I'm sure they all go together, obviously. Yeah. But I feel like if you, um, first of all, obviously aren't safe, then they aren't going to be seen. But yes. if you, how am I trying to say this? Like I had a mind and I had a mind. <laughs> I had a thought. I think it's gone. But it just, it makes sense to me that you have to be able to see someone so that they do feel safe. Yeah. Right? Like, yes. Like you said, the shoulds. Honestly, oh. anytime I, I hear a should, it's like, okay, don't don't even continue because that should is that place where Satan's trying to put shame on yes. you. And so oh. don't think about what you should do. So Let's good. figure it out. Let's work it out. Yeah. Um, but if you you said something about if you don't feel I don't know. You can move on. I don't remember. Well, well, you said two things that really speak to like what we're going into next, which is perfect. So, um, you said if you're not there, if you're not safe, the person's not going to be there. So how can they be yeah. seen? And so the third thing is actually called being soothed. Like, okay. How, to what percent or to what extent is someone soothing you appropriately? Or are they making, mm. making you even more mad and actually yeah. like, um, increasing the level of distress for you. Right. Um, and so, Wow. I love what the researchers say here. So they say you want to explore ways to like calm and soothe the body. And a lot of times it means like, okay, you're upset. Let's just breathe for a yeah. second. And like taking like a quick minute pause just to breathe and yeah. getting in your body. Um, and then like kind of calming your heart, calming the brain. And actually they use the acronym of peace, <laughs> providing some peace. Um, so P is for presence. So you were talking about like, you yeah. can't be seen if you're not there, if you're not yeah. creating a safe environment. Like the first thing is holding that space by being present and like being intentional. Like right now, this is what matters. Is this person in front of mm -hmm. me? Um, the second letter is E. So peace E, um, stands for engagement. So this is all about active listening, clarifying, getting to the why, Kind of attuning to nonverbal behaviors. Okay. And if someone's crying and you know that they need a hug, like that's what they need right now. Right. Um, so just being engaged in that moment. A is affection. And so that's kind of like mm -hmm. the hugging, the warmth. Um, and and sometimes, like, I don't know about you, but when things are really hard, having something to laugh about. So even like adding little tidbits of playfulness. I, I mean, you guys might know this. Like when things are really hard, some usually there's an awkward person who's like laughing somewhere. Like sometimes we all need that because <laughs> we all need to like let go and like have this lightness to kind of show up. So um, affection, people want to know that they're accepted. You can love them yeah. unconditionally. Yeah. 
Um, and C stands for calm. So this is like all about creating a calm space for them um, instead of cr confronting, correcting, or challenging, just really helping them focus on being calm and being in that in-between space. And the last one is empathy. So um, this is basically saying like, I hear you. I get it. You've been there too. Yeah. Like I remember when that happened, if you have something to relate mm -hmm. to. Or you could just say like, I can imagine this is really hard for you. I can see it's right. hard for you. You're upset. Um, so showing them you see them and you get them makes them feel like, okay, I can get through this. Like I'm not alone in it, you right. know? Um, and so those three S's and like the acronym of peace is supposed to lead to security. It's supposed to lead to the sense of being secure. And security and feeling secure is really built on trust. Like you have to trust yeah. that this person's going to show up for you no matter what. When you mess up, when they mess up, whatever it is, wherever the rupture is in the relationship, you have to trust they're going to come back and show up for you. And so when I think about this, um, like there are sometimes you have to put boundaries and limits and expectations, right? So you might have a friend who comes up and they're sharing with you all of the things that are happening in them and it's painful yep. and it's it's a lot and you know that they need more from you, but you can't quite give a lot more. So you have to set the expectation of like yeah. being there for them, seeing them, loving them well. I'm just seeing you laughing. I know you're thinking about things. <laughs> La like being in that moment with them and then like telling them like, hey, I know you need support yeah. through this. This is going to be a hard season and I see that. Yeah. I can't be there 24-7, but how about let's schedule some time, maybe like a 20-minute weekly call just yeah. to check in, just so to process good. this, just to go through life together in this season and we'll set up next week's right now. Like yeah. just setting up the expectation that maybe they don't have to reach out to you every time something's happening, but yep. setting up yep. the time intentionally for them to come back to you. So good. Yeah. So good. And that's what we're supposed to do in therapy. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And you can do that in friendships. Yeah. Well, I just think like there's so many times where um, I think I think I've seen I, you po might have posted something about this where you can reach out to a friend and say, hey, do you have the capacity to yes. handle my stuff right now because sometimes yes. you need to ask that question to be respectful of can you handle this so talking about all these things and you mentioned boundaries i just it it there's like convictions in everything you've said and then there's mm. kind of affirmations of everything you said mm. too of being a leader and um wanting to love and lead well and um, knowing where you're at yeah. so that you can do that right so yeah. if you want to do the uh, four S's, you know, I want to make sure I'm doing this well, then yeah. first of all, I need to know how to do it well. So learning this stuff is mm -hmm. so important. Mm -hmm. But then having the boundaries, the, the way I see boundaries is if I don't have good boundaries, obviously they're for me, but it's actually for you. Yeah. Right? So if, if I don't have a good boundary to say, hey, I don't have the capacity to handle this right now, it's not because I don't love you and I, I don't want to support you. It's because if I don't say no, then what's going to come out of my mouth probably will not be helpful. Yeah. Right. So yeah. I know for me, I need to have my alone time. I need to um, spend time with God. I need to do those things so that I can love you well yeah. and help you. And so learning these things for myself and for others as a leader is huge. Yeah. And it's just helping me see like, it helps me think about times where I maybe not have been safe for someone, mm -hmm. right? We've been talking mm -hmm. about some situations in yeah. my life recently where I realize I may not have been safe in that moment and that may affect how they come to me later. Yeah. And so there's that aspect of like, okay, I can't take that shame. Mm. I've got to know that I'm also learning. I'm not perfect. Yeah. But being safe, helping people feel seen, helping them, I'm looking at the notes, feel soothed and secure. Yeah. It, it's just, it, to me, it really shows how important it is to learn this stuff for ourselves so that we're healthy, so that we can love others well and help them through their stuff. Yep. 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 Exactly. And I just thought of two things. So to, to know yourself, it almost like means you have to go through that emerging adulthood <laughs> phase to know yeah. like, what do I like? What, when is, am I, when am I giving too much energy? When do I need to be alone? When do I, like, you need yeah. to go through the like, not narcissism, but like the, the self-focus to know mm -hmm. like, who am I and what do I actually need? Yeah. Um, and then the second piece in terms of like having the ability to be secure for someone else 
and do that for yourself is I, I think it's it's interesting because I wasn't I wasn't raised with having all of these things. You know, we talked about the shortcomings of our lives in the first mm-hmm. two episodes. <laughs> and um, I think what's been really neat is seeing how God's shown up to actually provide yeah. some of that in my life. And I know that he has in you. And and I just look forward to doing the practical pause with some of you guys who will do it because we're going to go over like what you can think about and reflect yeah. on with God to build those things. Um, so the authors say that you can change your attachment style. And they say the very first way you do that is by understanding your story and seeing where those shortcomings wow. were in your life, owning that. So that way you can have a different relationship with your story story, and have that grace like you were talking about for the people in your life. Yeah. And then now you have the empathy to like love people from that place instead of like trying your best to meet everyone's needs mm-hmm. or like shutting them out because that's what you're used to, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, and so this actually goes to like the, the third topic, which we had, which is on Imago Day. So Imago Day is this idea of bearing the image of God. And this is all about really loving with covenant love instead of loving from this place of conditional, like you need to show up the way I want you to. And that's the only way I'm going to love you. Like the way to love is not just loving others and ourselves, but also having that love relationship with God for him mm-hmm. to like help you with that security to show up in ways that maybe your parents may not have. And then also build those resources for you so you can do that with everyone else. And so Imago Day, um, people talk about this relationally in the research. Um, so our, our professors on campus have actually written this book called The Reciprocating Self. Okay. Um, and it talks about how Imago Day is relational as well and how the same way how we have this triune God who is father, son, and spirit, and they're all relational and they're relational with us. We also have, we're relational. So we have, you know, the way that we are with God, Mm -hmm. the way that we kind of befriend or love ourselves and the way that we love others. And that's really the the big commandment. It's like love (laughs) yours, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and love others as yourself. Yeah. And a lot of times we get one of those three wrong, Right. right? And so they talk about how, by pursuing Imago Day in relationship with God, with yourself, and with others, you can develop a way of creating a safe space in reciprocal relationships to be um, really this mature person as um, a reciprocating mm-hmm. self. So let me just try and not summarize, but basically what you're saying is the four S's help you to re like to change everything in your brain of how you were from when you were really young, mm-hmm. correct? Mm-hmm. To pursue um, the image of God, mm-hmm. Imago Day, mm-hmm. right? And so, um, but this is like the science, right? The yes. Bible, or the psychology. Yeah. So it aligns exactly to what the Bible says of why we need community. Yes. It's just, it's just like it's kind of connecting all firing in my right brain now. where I'm like, yes. hey, these are the things God tells us to do and they're finding in science with our brain. This is what actually helps. Yes. And <laughs> and and by you relating to people differently and people relating to you differently, yeah. it changes the neuronal pathways in there. So then <laughs> like, your brain becomes so crazy. Yeah. Your brain isn't reacting from a place of fight, flight, freeze, or yeah. faint. It's now reacting to the world from this place of everything's okay. Yeah. God's got me. I've got my people. Let me show up today. Yeah. And so it's like knowing that everything's not going to crash and burn. Right. Yeah. It's so neat. And so um, the way that they talk about pursuing Imago Day is this concept of reciprocating relationships. And so um, in terms of reciprocating relationships, um, this is really neat. And you guys may be following us on Instagram. And if you are, you probably saw a sneak peek about this and follow us if you're not, because you're going to see a whole bunch more of what we're learning. Um, But when it comes to reciprocating relationships, they um, talk about how it's really this covenant love and unconditional love over these contractual commitments. So if you think about people who think about marriage and they're like, it's just a piece of paper. That's all it is. (laughs) Well, God says it's a lot more than that. Yeah. Right. And so and a lot of times and, and you know, grace, 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 because I know we both have divorce in our stories. Yep. Um, but when it comes to conditional commitments, I think like when someone hurts you, when I felt hurt, I was like, you're not doing what I expected you to do. You're hurting mm-hmm. me. Yeah. This needs to stop and you need to get out or you need to get out. This needs right. to stop or you need to get out. 
And um, I'm sorry, I'm like totally speaking to myself right here. Like (laughs) to have that covenant love requires a lot more depth to your security, Mm -hmm. I think. Yeah. To be able to know like this person isn't showing up in a way that, that, you know, is kind, is loving, is helpful, um, but still showing Mm -hmm. up from a place of covenant love for them. Right. And granted, like if you're ever in abusive relationships, definitely not safe. Get to a place of safety. Go to the first S. Go to a place of safety physically, mentally, emotionally, and whatnot. Um, But, you know, there's just a difference, I think, in the way we show up for one another when it's covenant versus like, oh, by law, I have to show up for you, you know? Right. Um, The second thing that is different when it comes to reciprocating relationships is how we show up when someone fails. (laughs) Just seeing like this big old nod. Yeah. So it's basically, you know, to what extent are you showing grace versus showing shame? Mm -hmm. And I think especially maybe in religious cultures, but Christianity, like, especially I think it's so easy to say you should be doing this. And that should just, it should, should just be synonymous with shame at this point, I think. Um, Because we all are in a process. We're all saints, but we're all in process. We're here in the now and not yet. So it's like, how do we help you help each other get to heaven on earth Mm -hmm. now um, versus adding shame to it? Yeah. The third thing that looks different is Um, Being able to empower someone versus having control over them. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of times when you're talking to someone, you're like, oh, I have access to this or I have more power than you because maybe I have more privilege or maybe I have more access or maybe I have Mm -hmm. more money, more resources, et cetera. Sometimes, and I know parents sometimes do this, they're like, hey, um, you can't do this. Unless you wash the dishes, you can't use the car. (laughs) Like it's a way of control. And like sometimes parents will use this like control mechanism, right? Mm -hmm. But how healthy and sometimes that's fair, especially when there are certain areas where they need to learn to grow because they're coming from childhood crawling to being an adult. Right. Right. But um, in our relationships, like with a spouse or, you know, maybe a friend, at what extent is control actually the way to love? Right. It's like you want to know that you're empowering the person to make their own decisions um, so that way they can grow on their own and they can make the right choices, giving them the slack to make the right choices. Mm -hmm. And the last piece about reciprocating relationships is just this openness. So when you're open, you're more authentic as you're showing up as yourself and being authentic, the other person is doing the same thing. Mm -hmm. So it actually creates intimacy versus isolation. I don't know about you guys, but a lot of us during the pandemic and still happening are kind of staying in that place of isolation because it's safer. And maybe people, because they were physically isolated, um, maybe people are like wanting to stay away because it feels better than having the messiness of coming up to someone, showing up for someone and potentially being hurt. Yep. Like to love well is messy. Yes. To try these four S's are messy. Like we are going to screw it up. Yeah. And what we need to do is not hurt each other or walk away from each other in the rupture, but actually what the researchers say is we need to attune, which is know what's going on and repair. And we need to attune and repair. And I would say that Jesus says, that you should forgive your brother and sister, mm-hmm. what, 70 times seven? Yep. Every day, every minute? Every I don't know, every time. As long as they're coming to you for forgiveness, you yes. forgive them. Yeah. And he says 70 times seven, or is it 700 I times? I don't know. Oh, man. <laughs> we promise we're still new in seminary. <laughs> uh, but the point of it is, like, there isn't a number yeah. that you could ever stop forgiving. Mm. It's always. You yeah. always forgive. Yeah. And I think it's mm. what you said is interesting is that you are you are pursuing that and you are like to me, it's not avoiding it because avoiding even when it's messy doesn't make you feel safe or seen or secure. Right. Then yeah. you're just left there, you know, to kind of fester in whatever whatever the disruption was in the, you know, marriage. Something happened. And you're like, well, I'm just going to avoid you because I don't want to talk about it. It's like, well, yeah. that's not the safe place then. And I that person doesn't feel seen and it's never going to be perfect. Yeah. You know, and I think it's interesting how it all ties together because as the emerging adult, especially right now where they have been secluded and they don't have a lot of, um, you know, they're kind of having to rebuild those skills of being around people again and whatnot. It's so much easier to just retreat and Mm -hmm. to, you know, just, just not deal with things. And so Mm -hmm. this, reciprocating and it's just I don't know this is just so interesting to learn yes and so relevant yes we're all people yeah 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 and I think even for me learning through leadership and just knowing that 
I know I'm going to mess up. Mm-hmm. And as long as it's, it's not to me, it's not so much. No, it's knowing that it's going to mess up, but how it's handled after. So yes. am I doing the right thing, you know, to reach out and know that there's going to be failure on my end or someone else's end. Yeah. And, you know, I have to have unconditional love no matter what. And yeah. Oh, <laughs> I know. I'm going to go back and re-listen to all of this like four times so I can learn. Anybody that I've hurt, I'm sorry. I'm going to listen. I'm going to learn. Same. Anyone that I hurt, I'm sorry. I'm going to listen and I'm going to learn. This is why we're doing this, this right? Because we want to learn. Yeah. We, we want to learn so bad that we want to talk about it every month so we have a space to learn together. Yeah. I am actually really grateful for this. Yeah. Um. So I just think that was like a great way to kind of bring it all together. Um. And I'm like, I guess, should we go into how to actually apply this so people could walk away and yeah. do something about it? Because it is a lot. It is. That was a lot. And that's a lot for, what, 45 minutes? I don't know. Ish. Hopefully. <laughs> Hopefully. We did good it's on a lot to take in and yeah. to hope, you know, it. nothing, it takes work. Yeah. All of this stuff takes work. Life takes work. Nothing changes overnight. You know, putting these four S's into place, it's not like you heard it once and it's it's going to stick. We yeah. have to learn and grow and practice and repractice and again and again. And, and it's going to be uncomfortable. Yeah. Like it's like what you were saying about, you know, avoiding the spouse. It's like, okay, if you grew up with an avoiding av- avoidance attachment style and that's what you do in the moment when something happens is you avoid. Well, as that's happening, um, you're actually building that rut or like what, what people call that rut or that pattern in your brain, mm-hmm. you're you're solidifying it even more. Yeah. So actually for that person, the most unnatural thing to do for them that feels the most uncomfortable is to say, hey, this happened. And even though I really don't want to talk to you about this right now because I'm so uncomfortable about it, I know that we need to and I mm-hmm. know we have to we have to see what's going on. So yeah. how are you feeling? Yeah. What's going on there? How can we work through this? And that literally changes that neural pathway. So cool. Yeah. God made our brains to change. Right. So we right. can change. But we also have to choose it. And we have to choose it. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. if we keep, it's just like our thoughts. If we keep thinking the same thought over yes. and over and over again, yes. that neural pathway, uh, rut or, you know, whatever, it gets deeper and deeper yes. and deeper. But once we change it, then it gives that opportunity for it to continue to change. And then you, sh- but it does take time, time and literally like a mental practice. Like the Bible says, capture every thought, every thought. And yeah. so you have to capture it and then change it. And then that it will make that new neural pathway where then it's normal. That is your new normal. That's the no- new, I, I don't want to say rut because the rut's not the it's right It's a new word, pattern. Yes. The new way the of healthy, loving. The healthy rut. The healthier way to love. The healthier way yeah. to be with people. Yeah. Um, and so let's actually create new ruts. Let's let's, let's talk about it. the practical pause. Let's, yeah. let's get into there. Yes. Um, and I yeah. guess, yeah, I guess in this case, um, you know, you guys heard Chrissy and I talk about our stories the last mm-hmm. two episodes. We didn't know that this was going to be our focus of this episode, but essentially you guys need to get comfortable with your stories as well. And that's what the researchers say is by getting comfortable with your stories, owning it, you can actually change it um, for yourself and for others. So to be able to access the practical pauses, you can access it on Patreon. Um, It's only $5 to be able to access this practical pause and any other practical pause from this point forward. It's less than a cup of coffee. I'm sure my latte was $6.75 this week, so it's it's less than a cup of coffee. Um, and you'll be helping us through school because school is pretty pricey. Yeah. Um, that being said, um, if you're interested in any of the books that we talked about, we talked about, what is it, Josh Arnett? Um, Jeffrey Arnett. Jeffrey Arnett, sorry Emerging about that. Adulthood. Emerging Adulthood. Mm-hmm. We talked about The Power of Showing Up, and this is with, um, with uh, Dr. Tina Bryson and Dan Siegel. Um, and we also talked about this book, Reciprocating Self. So this is by Drs. Balswick, um, Dr. King, and a whole bunch of others um, who've, who've incorporated their research into that. And so if you access those books from our show links, it's actually an affiliate link. So it also helps us through school. Yay. Because we all need to help. survive it all. <laughs> yes. All the help. All the help. So thank you for that um, in Yay. advance. And yeah, I just want to say thank you for those of you who joined us today. Yeah, we just appreciate you guys. And it's just so... Um, fun and it's a learning experience for us to teach you what we're learning. We 
like we said, are not the experts. I was joking with her earlier. I'm like, I kind of hope my professor never sees this because <laughs> he's like so wise and so smart. And I like just respect them so, so much, you yeah. know, and it's like, this is just a tiny, tiny sliver yeah. of like what we're learning. Yes. And so it's just cool to to teach it back to you guys to grow in this area yeah. and um, and then to help you literally try to yeah. change your life and to um, see change physically, yeah. spiritually, emotionally. So good. Yeah. So yeah. I guess if you like today's episode, feel free to let us know in the comments. Tell yeah. us how it resonates with you. Tell yes. us how you feel about the four S's. And if you like it enough to share it, please do. Yeah. You can also subscribe and follow us on all of the social media. Yeah. And um, yeah, send us a prayer as you go through this process. And we can, we can also uh, pray, pray for, for you. you. We would love to. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much, you guys. It's been amazing. And if you want to watch our practical pause, then we'll see you there. See you soon. Bye. Bye.